like three Benadryl, two melatonin. Wasn't happening. I oh was just God. laying in bed like, hmm, this What's is What's wrong fun. with you? I don't know, but I've been getting like five hours of sleep every night for the past like three weeks. I think I'm dying. I don't think you're dying. I think you're just, I don't know. Your body just doesn't want to sleep. You're doing too much. Your brain I, can't shut down. Well, it needs to. I'd really appreciate it if it did. I know. Sleep is nice. <sighs> Anyways. Welcome, Welcome to episode seven. Episode seven of Blood and Wine. I am Brittany. And I'm Tyler. It's a Tuesday. Another yes. new day. Yes, it for is. recording. Because someone decided to go out of town this weekend and the following weekend and the next weekend and a couple days during the week because she's Miss Jet Set and I'm sitting here taking care of the dogs and a cat. I mean... But that's fine. I'm sorry that I like to travel, you know? Oh, I love to travel. Trust me. You're not the first person that this is pissed off. Literally ask any of my friends, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, about 95% of the time we ask Brittany to hang out, she's going out of town. Like, literally, that's... Yeah. Seriously, you you and Mm. any of my other friends have this conversation. We're all going to get together and have Brittany's out of town, like, party and drink nights without you. I'll make sure to tag you in all the photos, too. Okay. You can do that. I will. So, a little <laughs> recap of our last episode. I like that transition there. Um, yes. Last yes. episode, we... Keep forgetting what we, we talked did. about for some reason. <laughs> it was indiscriminate murders. Yes. I covered the um, Dartmouth murders with the Xantops, yes. the two professors who were murdered. Uh-huh. And I covered the Chicago Tylenol murders, which, really well-known, super famous, seven people died due to poisoning in, or poison Tylenol capsules. It just blows my mind when I think about that case, mm-hmm. and just how evil that is. Yeah, well, and how I the, mean, like, everything we talk about is super insanely evil. True. But, that but one, the person whew. who did it, never caught. I know. That never, is crazy. They're still out there. So, obviously, you won. Yes, I did. So, you picked the wine we're going to talk about, and I picked the topic. Yeah. Which so, I... Tell uh, me about this topic. Yeah. I picked cannibalism. Yes. Because it is disturbingly, fascinatingly interesting. Okay. A lot of, a lot of adverbs there. Well, it's like... I don't know. I will say... I had the most difficult time researching this case, I think, as in uh, just being very affected by it. Like, it was really grossing me out, and I was getting nauseous while doing my research. Yeah. And we obviously read a lot of things that are, you know, quite disturbing, and there's just something about this level of disturbing that, ooh, it was hard. Oh, yeah. Well, it just takes it. Just so many steps further, because it's not just, like, a murder or an assault or whatever. It's, um, like, it it just goes beyond that. And uh, I'm honestly, though, I'm surprised we haven't done cannibalism already. Like, it took us to episode seven before we did it. Yeah, I touched a bit on it in episode one with Dahmer, but I really didn't didn't really go into any of it just noted that he apparently was the milwaukee cannibal but mm-hmm. that's not what i necessarily talked about yeah so just because we are doing a topic that is so far out there and and 
different. Sorry, I was about to say interesting. Yeah, I keep yeah. I keep almost using positive adverbs and I don't want to or adjectives. But anyway, I digress. I want to read a little bit about cannibalism that I found on Wikipedia because it's it's kind of crazy. It's something that it happens in over 1500 species. Like there are a lot of species that do this. Fair. Human cannibalism is well documented both in ancient times and in recent times. And, however, there are some scholars who've argued that there is absolutely no firm evidence that cannibalism has ever been socially acceptable Hmm. anywhere in the world at any time in history. Which I find interesting because what I'm going to go into about some of the tribes throughout history that have done this. That's what I was going to say. Like, I guess socially acceptable according to what? Socially acceptable according to our standards. See, well, yeah. But, trust me, I'm okay. going to go into it a little bit more. So, the island Carib people of, and I apologize, I'm going to be talking about a lot of cultures and I'm probably going to butcher some of their names. Yeah. But they're the Carib people of the Lesser Antilles. Mm-hmm. That's where the word cannibalism derived from. And they oh. have acquired a long-standing reputation as cannibals following, like, legends from the 17th century. So this is back in the past. Okay. And there's some controversy that exists over the accuracy of these legends and uh, how prevalent cannibalism actually was in the culture, but that is where we get the word. I could definitely see that being something that, like, white European sailors be like, oh, they're cannibals, we should just take the land. That's the reason. I mean, Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Totally fair. Uh, cannibalism was widespread in the past among humans in many different parts of the world. It continued into the 19th century in some isolated South Pacific cultures. And to the present day, it still exists in parts of tropical Africa. I will note that Wikipedia says a citation is needed for that. So, again, take that with a grain of salt. This is all from Wikipedia. Take mm-hmm. it with a grain of salt. But I just really wanted to go into a little bit more detail. Yeah. It was also something that was practiced in New Guinea and parts of the Solomon Islands. Mm-hmm. There they would actually have flesh markets. Okay. Uh, Fiji was once known as the Cannibal Isles. And the Neanderthals are also believed to have practiced cannibalism. And quite possibly the Neanderthals themselves could have been eaten by modern humans. Hmm. So... I think it's interesting because I feel like cannibalism today is looked at in, like, one of two ways. You know, you have the the serial killer, Hannibal Lecter, Jeffrey Dahmer kind of cannibal. Mm-hmm. Or you have the, like, having to eat someone for survival. Like, the, um, I know this, what pops in my mind when I think of that is the plane crash of the Andes in, I think, the 80s, where a... Um, I think it was like a Chilean football team. Like, their plane oh. crashed in the Andes. Whoa. And they were there, like, they were stuck on the mountain for, like, 60 or 70 days. And they had to eat some of the people that had died. Yeah, and, I mean, <laughs> another example of that same type of cannibalism for survival is the Donner Party. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the most well-known instances where it's by no means, like, 
oh yay, glad that helped him stay alive. Mm-hmm. It's not like celebrated by any means, but yeah. it's it's not. I don't even know if I want to say it's not frowned upon, but you it get what is, I'm saying. Though. Like it still is frowned upon, but it's. I think it's something that is much easier to be like. I understand why. In those types yeah. of situations, absolutely. Well, and there are some parts of the world, like in Papua New Guinea, where as recent as 2012, it was still being practiced for cultic reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's really been said to test the bounds of cultural um, relativism Mm -hmm. because it's like really challenging to anthropologists and, you know, for them to define what is or what is not beyond the the acceptance of human behavior. Yeah, well, I think it's... For so much of this stuff, we always look at these these different taboos in like through the lens of Western society, like society's acceptable standards. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, cannibalism is like very much a taboo out there. It is, but I mean, it, it is important to note that for some cultures, that's just like their thing, like, right? That's, for religious reasons or cultural reasons, like it's not a taboo like it is in the West as much. Absolutely. And there's actually, probably because of that, there's resistance to formally label cannibalism as a mental disorder, even though a lot of the people, and I mean, the ones I'm sure we're both going to be talking about, it was, at least mm-hmm. mine is. And that's not giving away any spoilers. That's yeah. just because that's kind of how it's looked at. But um, yeah. Well, I think also one thing that I, I just want to throw in and mention is that there is this disease, and it's it's a disease you get from eating an infected person's, like, I think specifically brain, but it can also be just in their, like, meat and organs. Okay. And normally, like, it, it can happen by itself. It's caused by proteins that are misfolded called prions. Like, that's what they're called once they're misfolded. Okay. And when they misfold in this particular way, they cause other proteins to do that. And so what happens is it winds up causing, like, holes in your brain. It's a spongiform disease. Like, it causes your brain to be spongy, and it kills you because you, like, start losing, like, mental abilities. You start, like, you know kind of fucking going crazy and then you die and you said you you get this by eating other people you can like if you eat the brain or i think tissue of someone who has this then those misfolded proteins will go into your body and start doing that to the proteins in your brain oh my god Um, it's super fucked up (laughs) that is super fucked up and another super fucked up thing that I want to say before you introduce this wine if anyone has ever wondered what human meat tastes like (laughs) the meat that it most resembles is pork yep so if you think we're like red blooded like a cow we're not we're more of a lighter meat yep want to know something super fucked up that kind of goes off of that sure don't know if it's any if there's any research or truth behind it but there is an episode of Bones this TV show yeah. that um, one of the killers in it's a cannibal and he mentions that babies taste like fish. Don't know if that's true or not or if there's any research behind that, but that's what I thought about when you said pork. 
Well, there we go. There so, we go. after all of that, before we actually get into the really gross part of today's episode, that mm-hmm. wasn't even it, guys. That was just your no, fucking that, that intro. That was just the intro. Have fun. Yep. Um, let's talk about this wine. Yes, which, please. side note, sounds like it'd be uh, really good with pork or human. Hey, we didn't so, do that on purpose. No. This is an Avalon Cab. Um, it's a 2016 Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's actually blended grapes from Napa Valley, Paso Robles, and Lodi, all in California, all in the Napa region. Um, apparently, it makes like a really well-rounded cab. I'm really excited for this one. Me. Oh my too. god! I I needed wine today. I was. Same. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, this one has aromas of blueberry jam, strawberry tart, and boysenberries that lead the way to rich black cherries, red raspberries, and plums. So, dear God, it sounds fruit forward. Yeah, lots of fruit. Uh, But I want to jump into this. Also, I think this bottle's gorgeous. It's another one. It really is. It's another one similar to the Apothic. We had a few, I think, actually episode two, where it's a very, like, stout bottle. Like, it's kind of wider at the top than it is at the bottom. And... Oh, yeah. Know. It's a very... I like I like the bottle. So... Check out our Instagram. It's oh, on yes. there. Yes. Yes, it is on our... Well, it will be on our Instagram uh, on Wednesday. The yeah. Wednesday, the Do day you... after we post this. So if you're listening to this the day we post it, awesome. Thank you. Uh, you'll be able to see the picture tomorrow. If um, you're listening to this at any other time, do check out on our Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, we like to... Po- we always like to post the picture of the bottle we're drinking the following day because it's Wine Wednesday. And so it gives you all a chance to, like, I don't know, buy a bottle, mm-hmm. drink it with us while you listen. Yeah. Um, if you listen to this while driving, you know, don't do that. Yes, please don't be <laughs> drinking wine while listening to us and driving. Yeah, even, even if you're a passenger, that. it's legal in most states to drink, but not all. I think Did in you know Missouri. not in Connecticut? I didn't. Yeah. I don't know really many or any of the laws of Connecticut. But. No. So the only reason I know this is because when I was in grad school in New York, I had a friend, like, it, somehow it came up. But wow. yeah, I had no idea it was legal in Connecticut. Yeah. I didn't know there were states that that was legal where the passenger could drink until that moment. She told yeah. me about Connecticut. Which is crazy. I think when I was in I think it was, it was when I was in Seattle. Uh, one of my coworkers was telling me about how they, I think they had family in Missouri or something, and they were, like, they had grown up in Washington. They were visiting their family in Missouri, and it was after they had turned 21, so they were, like, visiting, and they're out with the drive, and, like, their aunt in the passenger seat just, like, opens up a drink, <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, why, you want one? And I'm like, oh... <laughs> My God. Oh, man. All right. Anyway, out for, for us. Oh, that's a lot. You just want a little bit, right? You want the whole bottle to be mine. Oh, my God. I'm ready for this wine. Me, too. So let's cheers. Let's smell it first. Okay. You know, I smell the berry, but I actually feel like I smell, like, some cedar or tobacco. 
I'm so full of shit, but I think that's you what I are. Smell. But no, I, I see what you mean. Okay, All cheers. Right, cheers. Mm. That's what I needed. We've been having so many berry, oh my God, yes. like fruit forward berry calves and wines lately. That oh it's my good. God, that is good. And it's interesting because again. Everything on the website was like fruit, fruit with fruit in it, and a fruit salad with fruit cocktail. But that's not a super fruity cab. That's definitely a solid, just full-bodied cab. That's so fucking good. This is what, like eight bucks? Mm, something like that. We got it at Trader Joe's, like always. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. You want me to get into mine? Please do. Are you ready for this? Uh, no. No, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I, uh, don't know if I am either. But, here, here we, we go. go. The sources I used, I just used a couple. Wikipedia, Ranker, my two go-tos, apparently. Mm -hmm. And then also a Vice article titled, Who's Hungry? Mm. And there will be more details on that later. Yum. So, the cannibal that I'm going to tell you about today is Ise Sagawa. Mm. I, how was that pronunciation? Uh, yes, that was good. Ise was born in Japan to wealthy parents. He was actually born prematurely. He was reported to be small enough to fit in the palm of his dad's hand. Uh, so, how big are his dad's hands? Okay, it doesn't matter. It's a baby <laughs> fitting saying. in the palm of his hands. So he immediately developed a disease that is called enteritis. E-N-T-E-R-I-T-I-S. Enteritis, yeah. Enteritis. So it's a disease of the small intestine. He quickly recovered after treatment, but it's something that, you know, affected him at a very young age. He was always a very small person. He and his younger brother were raised as twins because they were similar in size. And I think his younger brother was a couple years younger than him. But So Issei was always a very small man. I think... Okay. His full height, he ended up being 4'9". Oh, wow. So a very small person. So that will come into play. There's a reason I'm okay. bringing that up. It's not just to say he was short. Okay. He first experienced cannibalistic desires when he was in the first grade. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. So apparently he saw a male's thigh and thought it looked delicious. He was a very physically weak and uh, before I go on, a lot of what I am saying are in Issei's own words because this Vice article was in an interview directly with him. So, again, Issei's in first grade when he first has these tendencies. And, you know, he says he's always been physically weak from the moment he was born. His legs are like these tiny little pencil thin legs. And so when he saw this other male's thighs, that's when he thought, oh my gosh, those look delicious. And he has said he was not homosexual. It was just something about, like, the quivering meat was the word he Ew. used. Yes. Quivering. Yes. So he started becoming obsessed with Western women. So white women. Mm -hmm. Specifically, actress Grace Kelly. And his obsession with her lasted, you know, from middle school throughout high school. When was he born again? Uh, he was born in 1950. Okay, so when he was, like, a 
kid or wait so when he was like developing these like really into grace kelly and stuff it was like when she was big and a thing right yes Um, yes because her stardom was right there in the 50s so when he was younger but you know she was someone that was around i think she married married the prince of monaco in like 1956 or something like that so i feel like that was like very much the height of her did you know she was a princess i did so, so that obsession lasted through high school, mm-hmm. and that was really when he started to realize that his main infatuation with like, cannibalism and eating was um, healthy, tall Western women. Those were his trigger. Didn't know Grace Kelly was tall. I guess everyone's tall compared to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And basically, he said that. His infatuation with these types of women stemmed from the fact that he was short, ugly, and had an inferiority complex. And that is what he said. Okay. So, and that these people were the exact opposite. So that's what he sought, were people that were the opposite of him. So he would get this strong desire to bite into them. He didn't want to kill them or necessarily eat them, but he wanted to start gnawing on their flesh as a purely sexual desire. For someone who has what they say is an inferiority complex, I have a strong seeking suspicion he is going to be the type of person with a huge fucking ego. Yeah, I don't <laughs> necessarily know if he had a huge ego because he sounds like this like scared coward, but clearly not though. Like clearly he's not a coward because of what I'm yeah. about to tell you he did, but it just it's weird just seeing like. When you see him, he's probably one of the last people you would ever imagine would be doing what he did. Okay. And it's just, it's weird. Um, So when he was 23, he's living in Tokyo. He followed a tall German woman home, broke into her apartment while she was sleeping with the intent to cannibalize her by tearing and walking away, like, tear your flesh and walking away with part of it. Oh, fuck! So not a very well thought out plan, to be completely honest. No. So when he breaks in, he's, like, looming over her bed and she wakes up. Yeah. And, like, pushes him to the ground. He, he ended up being captured by the police and charged with attempted rape because they didn't know why he was in a room. That's fair. And he never confessed to his true intentions. Yeah. He didn't tell him why he was really there. Yeah. So... In 1977, when he was 27, he immigrated to France to pursue a PhD in literature at the Sorbonne, which is in Paris. Okay. He claims that when he was living in Paris, almost every single night, he would bring home a prostitute and try to shoot them. Because he wanted to shoot someone he didn't know. And he just, again, has hidden his entire life, had this strong urge to kill and cannibalize a woman and it wasn't the killing aspect it was just he knew he had to do that in order to eat them mm-hmm. and so as you can imagine these are all western women so like every moment of every day this is going through his mind every woman he's seeing that's tall white so like jesus but he would bring home these prostitutes and you know for some reason every time his fingers would freeze up and he could not pull the trigger so he hadn't done it. He keeps trying. He's not really doing anything. Okay. Sometime after that, he spotted a girl who would later become his victim. 
It's one of his classmates at university. Oh, shit. So all of the French women, he says, that he had met before were beautiful, but stuck up, totally out of his league. So in contrast, this girl was really friendly and really warm. Okay. Very nice to him. He says the moment he saw her wash her hands in the bathroom, the image overlapped in his head of the prostitutes that he had been inviting home, washing themselves in the bidet, and it just he decided that that's who he wanted to eat. Okay. A really weird... Okay. Yeah. So, from that moment on, every time he invited her up to his room... To study or whatever, because again, they're classmates, Mm -hmm. he would point a gun at her from behind, but he still couldn't pull the trigger. So, on June 11th, 1981, he's now 32 years old, Mm -hmm. he invited this classmate, Renee Harlevet, and I am no, I'm saying that wrong, I apologize, it's H-A-R-T-E-V-E-L-T. This is a different classmate? No, this is the same girl. Okay. This is the same girl. He invites her over to dinner at his apartment, and the pretext is that they're going to be translating poetry for a class assignment they have together. Okay. His plan all along, though, was to uh, kill an eater. Like... Oh, I don't like that he invited her over for dinner. Yeah. And he's going to eat her. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Yeah. So, again, he picked her because she was healthy, she was beautiful, she was tall. These were all characteristics that he didn't have. Yeah. So he kind of had this belief that if he could eat someone who had them, he himself could then have those characteristics. That's not how that works. It's, no, not how it works, Mm -hmm. but this is why I brought up his whole he's small he always feels like tiny and ugly it's it's like he feels like he needs to eat these women to become whole or Mm -hmm. to become who he should be i i've got to take a drink of wine right now sorry i've been talking and not drinking and i need to drink so renee arrives and she starts reading poetry at the desk with her back to him he comes up to her with a rifle and shoots her in the neck Oh, shit. He then said he fainted out of the shock of shooting her. And when he wakes up, he has this realization that he's done it and he has to carry out the rest of his plan. Did she, like, die instantly? Yes. He says she died instantly without feeling any pain. Again, this is what he says. Yeah. That's Um, fair. So, what the autopsy ended up showing is that the gun was not powerful enough to send the bullet through her skull. So it kind of went in and bounced around. So she died pretty quickly. Okay. Now the whole like no pain, that's up for question. But she did die quickly. He did say for a split second, he thought about calling an ambulance, but then thought, hang on, don't be stupid. You've been dreaming about this for 32 years and now it's actually happening. Dude's so fucked Mm. up. So he raped her corpse. And realized he was unable to just bite into her skin. So he left the apartment to go get a butcher knife. Oh, okay. Not unable like, I can't do it. Unable as in like, the skin's too tough. Yes. He wasn't able to because it was too tough. 
truck. So when he comes back, he's got his butcher knife. The first thing he did was cut into her buttock. He just kept saying, like, no matter how deep he was cutting, all he was seeing was fat. And that it took him a while to actually meet, reach the red meat. Fuck. The moment I saw the meat, I tore a chunk off with my fingers and threw it into my mouth. Fucking raw. Oh, oh God. He says it was truly a historical moment for him. He did say, you know, it's not like he's lusting over the fact that he's cutting up her dead body. So he, he was like, it's difficult for me to revisit the incident and talk about it even now. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. It's yeah, so yeah. Difficult. Yeah, I'm so sorry that, you know, cutting her up was... Dramatic difficult. for you. Yeah. So for two days, Issei ate various parts of her body and saved other parts in his refrigerator. Mm. So in the the Vice article I read, it, it started to get insanely graphic down to the smell of human flesh, which apparently is odorless, if you're wondering. You know, kind of like fish has a smell and... He said human flesh didn't. I guess that makes sense. I mean, like, not, pork and beef don't have a smell. Chicken doesn't really have a smell. Beef does. If you get some really good beef, it has a smell. Well, I'm poor, so. <laughs> anyway, um, the person who was interviewing him, Tomokasu Kosuga, one part of the interview, he literally says... I'm just going to plot ahead with these questions so I can get the fuck out of here. Yeah, no, fair. That would be my reaction. Which, could you... I just... I just can't imagine being the person that gets that assignment to interview this guy. And you're, like, sitting... And he's... Again, like, the things he was saying in this article... Y'all can go look it up. It's Vice. Again, I said the article is called Who's Hungry? It's really easy to find online. I had a hard time getting through it. I skimmed a lot of it because he just gets so graphic that... I don't want to read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Let this uh, summary be enough. <laughs> the abridged version. So after two days of eating on her body, mm-hmm. he's got some in his fridge and he realizes he needs to get rid of the rest. Okay. So he cuts up the rest of her body and places her part her body parts into two separate suitcases and then he called a cab Mm -hmm. and he asked the taxi driver to help him place the two heavy suitcases in the vehicle because you know they're really heavy and he's this little guy yeah um (laughs) surprised by the weight of the suitcases the cab driver even jokingly asked him if they contained a dead body because they were so heavy oh my god which it's like what the fuck fast forward (laughs) The cabbie's kind of, like, in how he ends up getting caught. Kind of. It's part of it. But, like, I can only imagine what went through this guy's head. And he was like, holy shit, it was a dead body. Uh, yeah. So, he drives Issei to the Bois de Boulogne. And I apologize for my terrible French. I should know better. But it's the Bois de Boulogne. Which is a public park there in Paris. Okay. And Issei is trying to kind of drag them to the water. Because his idea is just going to dump them in the water and walk away. Well, he's struggling so much. And this is also a very busy part of Paris. And so there's like outdoor diners watching this like small man struggling with two heavy suitcases. Yeah. Issei gets tired, sits on a bench, and ends up falling asleep. 
So he wakes up to an older man opening one of the suitcases and he starts screaming. My God. Yeah. One rude ass old man. That's not your suitcase. Don't open it. I'm I mean, guessing it was probably bloodied. Or the old dude was a thief. Well. Either way, I mean, it worked out for the better in the end. Yeah. Don't open people's suitcases, though. You don't know what you'll find. Yeah. Um, so, Issei actually just gets up and walks away. He doesn't react. He just gets up and walks away. So, after that, the police were called. And they ended up connecting these two suitcases to Issei because of the cab driver. Oh, okay. So, again, like, that cab driver heard what happened, and he was like, holy shit. <laughs> that was me. Were. That was me. I, I can tell them where I picked up this guy. Yeah. He picked him up at his apartment. Yeah. So, Issei's wealthy father, of course, comes to the rescue, provided a lawyer for his defense, <laughs> and Issei was held for two years awaiting trial. So, Issei was found to be legally insane and unfit to stand trial by a French judge, Jean-Louis Bougier. 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 Uh, who ordered him to be held indefinitely in a mental institution. So, okay. an mm-hmm. author ended up visiting Issei, uh, Yomota, and the account of his kill was published in Japan by this author under the title In the Fog. The publicity turned him mm. into this, like, macabre celebrity. Mm. And it was likely what contributed to the French authorities' decision to deport him to Japan, where he was immediately committed to Matsuzawa Hospital. So he was examined by some, uh, some psychiatrists. Nope. He was examined by a few psychologists there, they declared him sane um, and decided that sexual perversion was his sole motivation for murder. So, again, this is back in Japan. Um, okay. So, it's like the French are finding him insane. The Japanese say he's sane, but he's sexually perverted. Because the charges in France had been dropped... The reason being is because the French documents were sealed and they did not release them to the Japanese when they deported him. Why not? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Because they were sealed. That is all. That's all the information I could find. But because of this, he could not be legally detained in Japan. So he checked himself out of the hospital on August 12th, 1986 and remained free. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. His continued freedom has widely been criticized. Like, again, I don't understand why. Like, because I feel like, and of course, there's a lot more detail that goes into it that's legal and that I don't understand. Yeah. But it basically sounds like the French wouldn't release these sealed records. So the Japanese are kind of just like, okay, then we have no record of this actually happening and they couldn't hold him. Even though through his interviews, he's more or less confessed. No, he has completely confessed. He's never hidden the fact that he did this. Okay. I okay. Yeah. I international legal system I mean that's a career is navigating international laws, but fuck. <laughs> I know. So there are just so many documentaries like The Cannibal Who Walked Free. Um there's a couple others. Like it's just 
he became famous. So in um, kind of while he's going through all of this, in 1985, some of the crime scene photos actually leaked of the murder and dismemberment and published by a popular French magazine. Mm. They showed the woman's nude body, like, way she'd been mutilated, cut into pieces, and it obviously deeply disturbed people of France and Renee's family. Yeah, is no one giving a fuck about Renee? Honestly, that's what I kept thinking about when I was reading this. It's all about Issei. Everything's about him. You can find very little information about her. Her family refuses to speak to anyone, obviously. Yeah. And it's just like... I, I I can't even begin in a million years to be able to comprehend how that family must feel. Because it's like, not only did this happen to Renee, the guy got away with it completely, and then he became a fucking celebrity because yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, uh... Yeah. So, between, like, 1986 and 1997, he was frequently invited to be guest speakers and commentators. So, he's not... It's not even, like, a, like, negative celebrity stuff. Like, he's famously hated. He's, like, just famous. They love him. The people of Japan love him. And I don't know if it's because his victim was a Western woman. No, it wasn't a Japanese woman. So, maybe... I don't know. I'm like, a human's a human. Learn to fucking relate. But he, Oh, my God. Yeah, he even went to write restaurant reviews for a Japanese magazine. Oh. He appeared on cooking shows. Like That is fucked up. Yeah. Um, da, 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 again, like, lots of talk shows. His popularity has declined in recent years. Um, it's so fucked up. He's written a book. Um, he has been in porn, where the topic of the movie is cannibalism. Uh. Back in the summer of 1989, a serial killer named Sutomu Miyazaki murdered some young girls, and the mass media suddenly flocked to Issei's house to talk to him about this, because it was some, you know, another fucking cannibal. Oh, God. Um, oh... No, I'm pretty sure this guy was also a cannibal. Sorry, in my notes it just says serial killer, but I am like 99% sure he was also a cannibal and that's why they went to Issei. Fuck. Um, yeah, again, like I said, there were there were books written about him. He's in a ton of documentaries. And this guy just like literally is so insanely fucked up. He's getting to the point where he can no longer find publishers for his writing. He's struggling to find employment. And I'm like, oh, good. No. Good. Oh, so sad. I know. He, the last thing that I wanted to end this with, um, he said that being forced to make a living while being known as a murderer and cannibal was a terrible punishment. Really? Yeah. That's a terrible punishment? Yep. Fuck him. Oh, I know. So... That is the story of the cannibal who completely got away with it and literally never once tried to hide that he did it. It's like the only moment that he hid that he did this was when he put the body in the suitcases and got up and walked away when they were found. Yeah. It was like as soon as the police picked him up, he, he confessed immediately. And he has not denied it ever since then. Fuck. Well... Um, 
Yep. Oh, look, I, okay. That is easily one of the most infuriating cases I think I've ever read about. Like, not only, like, insanely disturbing and disgusting and just all absolute levels of super fucked up in, like, we described our, apparently, how we view cannibalism as just, like, mm-hmm. this super fucked up thing. Uh, and then that he did literally, like, all he served was two years. Like, mm-hmm. the two years that he was in prison while they were analyzing, like, to determine whether or not he was sane or not, which makes me think he probably wasn't in a prison. Prison. It was probably more of, like, a mental institution. If they Maybe. were determining his sane. I don't know. I don't know. I did Again, I didn't go into, like, super details of stuff because some of the stuff I was reading I had to skim because it was just too much. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if, uh, there's tons of YouTube documentaries and, like, he's in them. Like, you can see him. He's just this normal-looking guy that is literally a motherfucking monster. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. I know. Uh, I... Don't really know how I'm going to fault that one up, but I'm going to. Yeah, I know. Mine's a motherfucking doozy. Literally, though, because I was about to say I've read about a lot of cannibals. I haven't. That would have totally been a lie. I only know a couple, but this is the one, like, I just, I can't see how it can get worse. It does. I know it does, but. It does. It's like, I don't want to know how it gets worse. I don't know. I don't know. Mine is fucked up in similar and different ways. Okay. All right. I am... Tell me yours. Okay. So mine is the killing of Tim McLean. Oh, Um, I haven't heard of this one. Well, it's... I hadn't either before I started researching, and I found it, and I... I had to, because it's... Shocking is a great word for just every piece of it. Okay. All right. So my main source was, again, Wikipedia... Um, I also used an article from The Telegraph, um, and the Wikipedia article I was reading did use a lot from The National Post, CBC, and CN, or CTV News, Okay, uh, which is the Canadian television network news. Oh, is this happened in Canada? It did. Okay. It happened in Canada. So, this incident, um, this oh. murder, cannibalism... Uh, took place near Portage, La Prairie, Manitoba, uh, during a trip on a Greyhound bus from Edmonton what? to Winnipeg. What? Yeah, this took place on a Greyhound bus. Like, all so, right. I mean, to be to interject, I've never been on a Greyhound bus where uh, something like a murder happened, but. Um, Greyhound buses are creepy. Yeah, I... uh, Before I moved to Seattle, I... Me and a friend took a Greyhound bus. Well, multiple Greyhound buses from Oklahoma City to Seattle. It was 54 hours. It was a lot. I forgot you did that. Yeah, we met some interesting people. Uh, There was a lady who was traveling for her, like, 45th birthday. She'd never been out of her hometown. And she was traveling by bus to, like, two towns over in South Dakota. I was very confused why. Oh, okay. Um, but well, I was like, oh, I got <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, Greyhound buses are a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so the murder victim, Tim McLean, um, was a carnival barker. And he, he I was... I thought you said carnival barker. That's what I said. Barker? Like the person who's like, come one, come all, to the carnival. Oh. Like, carnival oh. barker. Okay, so I thought I heard Carnival Barker, and then I was like, he must have said Carnival Worker, and then I was like, I have to say that I thought he said Carnival Barker, because it's funny, and you that actually said that. That is what I said. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so he was 22, and he was traveling home from a uh, carnival in Alberta, uh-huh. uh, traveling home to Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, via Greyhound bus. So he had a... Uh, Noon, July 30th, 2008. This is a fairly oh, recent-ish one. Ten years ago. He departed Edmonton on board Greyhound Bus 1170 to Winnipeg. And he sat in the rear just to, like one row in front of the toilets. Okay. At around 7 p.m., the bus departed from a stop in Erickson, Manitoba with a new passenger, Vince... And I'm... I'm probably going to butcher this name. That's all we do, butcher names. It's true. Vince Weigong Lee. Um, Lee was described as a tall man in his 40s. He had a shaved head and sunglasses. And originally he sat near the front of the bus, but he later moved to sit next to McLean uh, after like they had left a rest stop. Um, oh, and, shit. Creepy. Yeah. McLean apparently like barely acknowledged him and then fell asleep against the window pane with headphones on. Because... It's not a fucking bus. So, according to witnesses, McLean was sleeping with his headphones on when Lee suddenly produced a large knife and began stabbing him in the neck and chest <gasps> on the fucking bus while the bus is on a highway. Oh my this God. bus has like 40 people in it. Like, oh. it's a butt. Like, it's a full ass bus. Oh my God. Yeah, so the driver suddenly, like, pulls to the side of the road so that he and the other passengers can all, like, get out. And Lee then decapitated McLean and displayed his severed head to the other passengers standing outside. Like, holding it out the window? Or... Yeah. So they could all see that he fucking cut this dude's head off. Why? I... I have no idea. Oh my god. Yeah, can you imagine being no! a person on this bus being like, you know, taking the bus to Manitoba and then this shit just starts going down? Like again, crazy shit happens on the bus. This is a little crazier than most. Hey, hey mom, I just just wanted <laughs> to let you know that I'm not going to make it home for dinner. Yeah, no, well, yeah, um Someone just decapitated someone on the bus. It's a long story. I'm not on the... I'm off. I'm just... We're stranded. We're watching. Yeah, he's... Yep, hanging out the... Do you, I'll take a picture. Yeah, I'll yep. send uh, Yeah. Yeah, pretty like, much. Literally. Um, except not. screaming, crying, being absolutely horrified, vomiting. Like, yeah. literally all of the things. Oh! Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So... Like, after this happens, the driver and two other men attempted to, like, get on the bus to rescue McLean. Um, Wait, but he's already been decapitated. Yeah, I, t I, I don't know. I don't feel like that makes much sense, but I guess, I, I don't know. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Um, but Lee chased them away by, like, slashing at them from behind the locked bus doors. So he, like, locked himself in the bus. Like, this is his fucking bus now. Oh, um, my God. Like a cat. Like... <laughs> I don't think, like, a cat batting at you from under the bed, but <laughs> I'm sure similar. Um, so Lee then went back, went back to McLean's body uh, and began severing other parts and consuming some <gasps> of his victim's flesh. No. They're on the fucking bus. I was wondering when the cannibalism part was going to come into play. It comes into play right now. Oh, my God. So he's just slashing and eating and... Mm-hmm. Oh! Oh! Yeah. So... At about 8.30 p.m. Granted, remember, he got on the bus at 7. <gasps> oh, so this is all real fast. Yeah. So at 8.30 p.m., the Canadian Royal Mountie Police in Portage La Prairie received a report of a stabbing on the bus west of the city. Wow. So, yeah, a stabbing. It was. It was a little but, more than that. You know, seems like there's a bit left out. A little bit. Um, so... They When they arrived, they found Lee still on board the bus um, and being prevented from escaping by uh, another passenger, the bus driver, and a truck driver who had stopped to provide help, um, saw what the fuck was going on, oh, and Jesus. decided to like stay and help because Canadians are kind like that. They are. Um, American truck driver would have been like... <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Getting out of here. Like, I gotta go. I have a truckload of Pepsi that means delivered. Probably not. Probably wouldn't act like that. But No, but Jesus. Yeah. The truck driver provided a crowbar and a hammer as weapons so that they could keep him from leaving and also protect themselves if he came off the bus. Yeah. Um, the other passengers were huddled on the roadside, some of them crying and vomiting, as would be expected. Absolutely. Um, and the suspect had earlier attempted to, like, escape by driving the bus, so the driver had actually engaged the emergency, like, immobilization system, so that the bus couldn't operate. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um... Witnesses said they had observed the suspect stabbing and cutting McLean's body and carrying his severed head. Just around the bus. Oh, I'm like picturing this and it's horrifying. It's a fucking horror film. Yeah. So. This is like, this is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. Honestly, worse, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although, to be fair, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the first, like, the first actual horror movie I can remember seeing, and that shit fucked me up. Did you see the older one? Yeah, I saw the, the one from the 70s or okay. something. Because yeah. I haven't actually seen any of the newer ones. I watched the old one, was like, nope. And then as I grew up, I learned that the older one was is the one that's fucked up. Yeah, like, that's what I was The newer say. ones are like whatever horror movies like they are now today. Yeah, that movie scares me more than any movie I've ever seen mm -hmm. and the fact that it was based off of Ed Gein like a real person yeah. a real killer it, it just terrifies me like I words cannot even describe how scared that movie made me yeah and the fact that I've only seen it once and I don't think I could ever watch it again and the fact that it's so to me what makes it so scary is that it that so many of the like horrifying shit 
It doesn't show. It suggests. Yes. And that's... Because I'm not going to say horror movies nowadays aren't scary. Because they are. But there's something so different about Saw where you, like, fucking see this shit happening in grotesque detail versus the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where you know he just got put on the hook. You didn't see it, but you know it just happened. I... Oh my god. Well, I'm probably going to have nightmares tonight. By yeah, the way. no, I definitely am. Try. So at 1:30 a.m., this is Holy 5 shit. hours after the police got the call. So the police are there, he's still on the bus. Everyone's still like fucking waiting around. Mhm. Yeah. What? Oh, can they not leave cuz they're witnesses? I'm not sure if they couldn't leave cuz they were witnesses. Or they just had no if way to leave. Didn't. Yeah. Oh god. Cuz I'm assuming Greyhound was like Send another bus. Pick up these people. Yeah, but I'm... I, I can't imagine anyone being like, oh my god. You know what? I should call Greyhound Corporate. I should let them know. No, I honestly like, feel like they... Uh, <laughs> I feel like they had to be... They had they were witnesses. Yeah. They couldn't leave until... Oh, that too. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry. It's one thirty in the morning. Yeah. one thirty in the morning. Lee attempted to escape but by breaking through a window on the bus. Uh-huh. Uh, thankfully, the police arrested him soon afterwards, and he was shot with a taser twice, handcuffed, and placed in the back of a police cruiser. Jesus. So, parts of McLean's body that had been placed in plastic bags were removed from the bus, uh-huh. while his ear, nose, and tongue were actually found in Lee's pockets. Ew! Oh, it gets worse. The victim's eyes and a part of his heart were never recovered and are presumed to have been eaten by Lee. Eyes and parts of heart? Eyes and parts of his heart. So he, like, cut him Yeah, open. that's, yeah, that's, yeah. I was about to... Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Why are we recording this right after we ate dinner? Uh, because we hate ourselves. Yeah, apparently. So, Vincent Wigong Lee... Uh, who was just commonly known as Vince Lee, was born in China in 1968. Uh-huh. In 92, he had graduated from the University of Wuhan Institute of Technology, and he worked in Beijing for a couple years um, as, like, a software engineer. He then immigrated to Canada in 2001 and became a Canadian citizen in 2006. Okay. He worked in Winnipeg at some, like, pretty menial jobs at this church, the Grant Memorial Church, for six months. Oh, he worked at a church. He did. He was, Mm. you know, uh, to support his wife, Anna, the pastor. Oh, he was married. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Oh, yeah. He was a pretty normal guy. Except clearly not. Yeah. So, the pastor of the church said that he seemed happy to have a job and was committed to doing it well, uh, despite the language barrier that he had with other congregation members. Um, He's quoted as saying, I think he would occasionally feel frustrated with not being able to communicate or understand, but we have a very patient staff and he seemed to respond well. Um, The pastor also said that, you know, he didn't show any signs of anger issues or any other trouble before he quit his job in the spring of 2005. So then he went on to work as a forklift operator there in Winnipeg while his wife worked at a waitre- as a waitress. Okay, so already we have this guy who has a bachelor's degree, has, like, developer experience. Like, 
moved and is now like working these menial jobs. Right. So, um, by the way, I am opening our second bottle because yeah, uh, yeah, we were a little slow on that first one, and um, yeah, I need this one. It uh, same. Okay. Continue, please. So Lee first moved to Edmonton in 2006 and abruptly just like left his wife alone in Winnipeg until she later wound up joining him. Oh, okay. Um, his jobs included service at a Walmart, a fast food restaurant, newspaper delivery, and uh, so this again, really menial jobs. Well, yeah, um, and just also he seems just like your average Joe. Yeah. Average you guy. Know, doesn't keep job for too long, but... We all know people who do that. <laughs> I well, mean, that's and he, not... And he seems like he always finds one, so, I mean, he's fine. Yeah, well, as his delivery boss uh, described him as reliable, hardworking, and didn't show any signs of trouble. Um, okay. So, four weeks before the murder, um, he had been fired from Walmart following a disagreement with other employees. Um, and then shortly before the incident, he asked for time off from his delivery job to go to Winnipeg for a job interview, which, I mean, cool. I, that, that, that he could do that? Yeah, honestly. Hey, job number one, I'm going to go interview for another job. Okay, thanks, need time off, bye. But honestly, one, I could totally see it. At, like, I I, a, a good job, boss yeah. would be like, hell yes, awesome. Let me know what days you need off. Like, Literally, I'm so glad you're improving no yourself. Really, is going to test if their boss is that kind of boss. I say literally no one. A lot of people wouldn't. Give it a couple months. I feel like I could say that to my boss. Okay. I mean, I don't plan on doing that at all. But, well, no. Actually, no. I. I wouldn't. But I'm just saying, especially I think it like a service delivery job, like something that, you know, clearly Lee is probably overqualified for. Whatever. Sure. Um so at noon on the twenty eighth, remember this murder happened on the thirtieth. Okay. In Edmonton, uh Lee boarded a Greyhound bus that was bound for Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Which is you know, he's not the same bus yet, but the two buses, the, the timelines are about to meet. Oh, God. Um, on July 29th, at about 6 p.m., uh, Lee got off the bus at Erickson, Manitoba, with at least three pieces of luggage. And he stayed the night on a bench that was next to a grocery store. And according to one witness, he, they saw him at 3 a.m. just sitting bolt upright with his eyes wide open. Just sitting on, like, a bench? Mm-hmm. Waiting on the bus. That was hours away. Like, he, spent, he was spending the night on the bench. And he's just sitting there, staring sitting out into space. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah, I need... Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, please pour. I don't... I can't... That That is creepy. Yeah. That is so creepy. I don't even know... I would only, if I saw someone like that, I would literally only look for a couple seconds because I'd be so fucking creeped out. Yeah. So on the morning of July 30th, so the next morning, yeah. he's still on the bench and he sold his new laptop to a 15 year old 
uh, for 60 bucks. So he's okay. acting weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although that 15-year-old got a fucking steal. However, I want to be like, why the fuck did you talk to this guy? Yeah. And then, 7 p.m., the bus picked him up. And we know what happened next. Yeah. So, a witness said that, like, during the attack, that Lee seemed oblivious to others um, while stabbing him. Um, oh and that the witness was actually struck by how calm Lee was. So is he like... What, uh, well, he, okay, I'll let you... I'll yeah. let you. The witness was quoted as saying that there was no rage or anything. He was like a robot just stabbing this guy. And then when Lee appeared at the courthouse on charges of second-degree murder... Uh, <laughs> second degree? Why second not degree. first? Because it wasn't like... Oh, premeditated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just I, happened. Yeah. I forget yeah. it's not like the degree of how terrible the murder was. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, apparently, when he was uh, at the when he appeared in court, the only words that he uttered were pleas for someone to kill him. Okay. Yep. So, getting into the trial. Oh, shit, we have more. Okay, good, because I have so many questions, and I'm trying not to ask him, because yep. I'm like, are you going to answer them? And Okay, go. Oh, his trial started on March 3rd of 2009, uh, with him pleading not criminally responsible. Wait, I've not ever heard that plea. So, Oh, sorry, this is Canada. Yeah, this well, is Canada. It, it means that he, like, accepted that this did occur, but that he wasn't, like, in the right state of mind and wasn't mentally able to like comprehend it or perform it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, basically it's not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. What... So basically it was like a manic episode. Uh, well, um, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, the psychiatrist that was like interviewing him said that uh, that he had performed the attack because God's voice told him that McLeod was a force of evil and was about to execute him. Except he decided it could be the other way around and he would fucking execute this guy. But he's just trying to save his own life. I just can't even. Uh, n- me neither. Um, the so the judge accepted the diagnosis and ruled that Lee was not criminally responsible for the killing. What? And he was remanded to a mental health center. Well, at least they sent him to a mental health center. Oh, shit. Oh, he just uh, gave me a look. Okay, I'm scared. Yeah, just, just... <laughs> this this story has updates up until last year, so we're not done. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. So this trial again, March two thousand nine. Uh huh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the, a timeline of events as they happen next. Oh, okay. June third, twenty ten. Uh, he was granted supervised outdoor walks within his mental health facility because the review board voted on it and agreed he could have um, supervised walks outdoors. Okay. Okay. May seventeenth, twenty twelve. Um, 
he was granted temporary passes that would allow him out of the mental health center for visits into the town that it was in, supervised by a nurse and a peace officer. No. Um, During this time, he was interviewed for the first time and said that he began hearing the voice of God in uh, 2004 and that he wanted to save the people from an alien attack. Which... (laughs) What? What? Side note... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm going to say next. Do you remember? No. <laughs> no. Do you not want me to say it? Go for it. <laughs> so, something you might not know. I used to be obsessed with Titanic. And I was Brittany really scared of aliens. And so, kind of still am. Just going to put that out there. When Brittany was in fifth grade i don't know why i remember that that specifically but i do um she in the wind heard celine dion's my heart will go on and because i played it literally multiple multiple times a day every day i'm like four so give me a break but yeah uh so Brittany decided that meant the aliens were gonna get me yeah and so to save me she spit on celine dion cd which in case you're wondering that doesn't make it stop working <laughs> doesn't do anything yeah uh so aliens never got me though so maybe it worked i just had to spit clean it you know i was just cleaning the evilness <laughs> of the cd and we could continue to enjoy it and wasn't it Mama's CD and not even yours? It was. And it also wasn't even the Titanic soundtrack. It was just her CD. Her CD, that song was on it. Which, by the way, side note, that CD is amazing. Um, That album. Let me say the right word. That album is amazing. Everything Celine touches is amazing. What's the name of the new song for Deadpool 2? For Deadpool 2. Out of Ashes. No, it's just Ashes. It's just Ashes. Number one, Love... That oh, Celine Dion does the song for fucking Deadpool 2. Right? Number two, gotta see that movie. Mm-hmm. So bad. Mm-hmm. Number three, amazing, amazing song. Number four, fucking, fucking even hilarious video. video. <laughs> I mean, it, God, she's magical. And fucking gorgeous as ever. Yeah. So, back to Cannibal Murders. So he was saving them from aliens. Yes, you and him have that in common. Oh my uh, god, don't even. <laughs> don't even. So, okay, so, again, May 2012, he's having these supervised visits into the town. Okay. February 27th, 2014, um, it was reported that starting March 6th, he would be allowed to have unsupervised visits into no. town. Starting at 30 minutes and expanding to full day trips. No. July 17th of 2014, it was reported that one of the first officers that was on the scene had committed suicide. Um, And the family stated in his obituary that he suffered from PTSD (gasps) from this case, from being one of the first officers on it and seeing everything. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, February 27th, 2015... Um, he was given unsupervised day passes to visit Winnipeg uh, with the just the condition that he carried a uh, uh, cell phone while on these trips. Side note, 
his wife? Where is she in all of this? I don't know. I couldn't find much information okay. on her. Okay. I just wanted... Okay. So, but... Also, for those of you that don't know, Winnipeg's a huge city. From what I... Like, oh. it's a city of, like, 600,000 people. I oh. metro area of, like, 2 million. Like, it's a really big city in Canada. It's the largest city between, um, like, Vancouver and Toronto. Oh. Yeah. It's a big span. Well, there's not that many big cities in Canada. Oh. <laughs> I, I Look, I think Winnipeg's, like, the fifth largest city in Canada. Okay. So it's a major metro area, and he's just got to carry his cell phone, and he's good to go. Jesus. May 8th, 2015, so two months um, after he's allowed to start visiting Winnipeg with a cell phone, um, he was granted passes to group homes in the community. In February of 2016, um, he had legally changed his name and was seeking to leave his group home in the community and live independently. And on February 26th, he won the right to live alone with the recommendation of the Criminal Criminal Code Review Board. What year is this? 2016. And on February 10th, 2017, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board ordered that he be discharged. And he was granted an absolute discharge, and there were no legal obligations or restrictions pertaining to his independent living so he's living like a regular person now. Mm-hmm. New, different name. Just living out probably in Man- in uh, Winnipeg. Oh, my God. After 10, actually at this point, less than 10 years before, murdering this dude on a bus and eating parts of him. He's good to go. In front of 40 people. Yep. So... That is my story. Oh my god. Yeah. We really did both pick equally as fucked up stories. Yeah. I I guess, do we want to launch into postmortem? Uh, he, I mean, yeah, but I'm... I kind of want to be completely honest. I almost feel like this one is a draw. Honestly, uh... Which we have not discussed. We haven't. Um, same. But do you, do you see what I mean by when I said ours are very different, but also very similar in, in certain ways? Yeah, the fact that both of these men are literally walking free at this very moment, which actually yeah. is kind of fucking terrifying. I hadn't said that out loud. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things I thought about when you mentioned at the very, very beginning um, the controversy surrounding is cannibalism a mental illness? Because it, like, through the lens of cultural and society taboos, you know, should it be viewed that way because it is some people's part of their culture. But also, from another lens does that take away the criminal like culpability of it if it's a mental illness that you have these desires to eat people and that's the answer Way to that question is not something i can answer no. I, well, but and i think it's something that a lot of people who are experts in the field cannot answer just yet right um well and like both of ours dealt with 
the the intro of mental illness. Like that was a mm-hmm. a part of both of our cases. Well, it is. And then when you get to the like the basis of it of, you know, is it a mental illness? I feel like when you get down to it, the same argument could be made for is murdering a mental illness. And then I think that opens a whole fucking can of worms. Oh, it Like, is is the does. being able to be the kind of person who's able to take into their life, does that in itself constitute a mental illness? I, I could see both sides. I am not an expert in either. I feel um, like I'm not even going to even venture down that. I just yeah. don't even. I, I don't, but, I just, I can't even... I know, but it's can't even speak. Apparently, it's not like it's not even just a gray area. It's like more than that. It, yeah. It, so yeah, I. So um. But literally think and draw. Uh yeah, I would agree. I think this episode is a draw, but yep. I will say I think it works out pretty well because we've been trying to figure out. How we're going to fit in uh, next week's episode? Yeah, that is, you have a point. Yes. Uh, next week's episode <laughs> is a special that we're doing for July fourth. Yep, we are, and um, we're not going to tell you what it is because we want you to tune in. Yes. But just know it will be coming out July third, so the day before the fourth of July. So. Yes. Just expect something kind of something July patriotic and yeah, yeah. something Independence Day themed. It'll be a little bit different. So. Um, and let us know we've we've toyed around with the idea of these specials or even going into I don't know some episodes that might be two parters or so. Yeah, let us know what you think about those ideas. I mean, obviously, let us know after you listen to it. But um, yeah, you know, we're I. I don't know. I torn with the idea of variety and stuff is fun. Definitely. And also, like, especially about those two-parters, is that something y'all be interested in? There are just a few cases that we can't really cover in the time frame that we've kind of set these yeah. uh, episodes to. And we, in all honesty, the idea of seeing a podcast, it's like, oh, and this episode is three and a half hours long. I'd be like... Nope. Yeah. I'd but be if like, it's a no, two-parter, yeah, and it's still three hours long, an hour and a half, an hour and a half, I'd listen to yeah. it. Same. Because most of our episodes so far have been around, not, if you discount the first episode, I think it was like right at two hours. Yeah. Most of ours have been a little bit more than an hour and a half. And, I think um, it's a good I think length. it's good. I think, you know, we have a couple options. Do we want these specials to be really long episodes that... I don't know, maybe y'all listen to, you know, an hour and then, yeah. or do we want to actually split them up and make it two episodes? I almost feel like we need to split them and take, make it two episodes because we're drinking. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We would have alcohol poisoning by the end of three hour <laughs> episode. Um, but yeah. Oh shit. I was going to say something and I forgot. Oh mm. yeah. Um, as y'all know, we are now on Google play and iTunes. So mm-hmm. if you found us there, you know, please leave us a review. Yes. It'll help. And um, and again, um, we're always, always going to be on SoundCloud. Oh, yes. Uh, always. I know that's, 
an easy platform for a lot of people Always. if you don't have I mean I guess if you don't have an iPhone then you have Google Play Store but if you for some reason have neither don't um, want to use either uh, again we are always on SoundCloud yep SoundCloud's fun I remember the first time I ever used SoundCloud it was actually when I lived in London I didn't know about it but all of my friends were using SoundCloud to find like new like EDM music and whatnot mm-hmm. and it just it allows people to release obviously as we know from getting to do our podcast yep. there release like all these different kinds of music and whatnot it's just like a really fun platform for discovery so i like that it's our host it is and i we love you we love you soundcloud please add us but also one thing i do want to add about soundcloud is you can i think a lot of people know this but you can like follow us there and when you follow us you will get notified when we launch it launch when we upload a new episode which We upload a new episode every Tuesday at midnight. Well, 12.01 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Yep, we do. Okay. Well, thank y'all for um, hanging out with us and yes. talking super disturbing cannibalism shit with us. And yeah. like we said, expect a fun, special, different kind of episode next week. Yeah. We're really going to have to talk about this wine pairing because we're actually going to have to agree on it. Ooh, we are. We'll have to get something, I don't know, something for the July themed. Yeah. Shoot us an email if you have any suggestions because I'm I just really thought about curious. we should get the, the American flag bottle of Svedka and just do shots back and forth. Because you know how they do that every year for the 4th? We're not no. going to. No. Y'all should see my face horrified. No. <laughs> Brain doesn't like no. vodka because she's weak. No. I don't like it. All right. Well, XOXO, all the love, blood and wine. You're our favorites. Signing out. Bye. Bye.